In this part, I want to talk about the MapReduce architecture uh, in more detail and some of some architectural aspects. So let's look at the uh, architecture from a simplified perspective first. And you can see that this is a primary worker setup. So you have a primary that assigns tasks and you have workers that actually execute the tasks and you have input and output data and the input data is actually split into chunks. We'll go into more detail about this in the, in the file system section. And so the primary assigns the map tasks to workers first. So this is the first stage and the workers then perform the map computation. So we have this map function that the user provides and this will be handled by many um, workers in parallel. And then the workers store the partitioned and sorted data locally. And in the second stage, the primary assigns the reducers task and the workers retrieve the and sort and shuffle the data as we saw in, this, in the sorting phase, right? And then uh, perform the reduced tasks on these individual data parts. And finally, the result is stored at a global output data that is specified by the primary again. So in the end, there are a couple of stages. So first we have the scheduling phase um, where the primary assigns the workers to map and reduce tasks. And there's actually, this is, happens twice, right? So first we have the map scheduling, then we have the reduce scheduling. And uh, then the data distribution actually happens. And this is done in a way that the, the map processes are moved towards the data. So wherever the data is already lying, um, if possible, the map tasks are actually executed close to this data. Then we have the synchronization. So once all of the mappers are done, then um, there's a synchronization barrier and we start with the sorting or actually, I mean, we know that this is split up, but then the actual sorting uh, or merging of the data starts in the reduce phase and the reduce is performed. And then at the same time, um, the, the worker uh, detect or the, the primary actually has to detect worker failures and restart the workers in case there is a problem. And there's both, both of these phases. So the, the map phase and the reduce phase run in parallel. So the map tasks run uh, completely in parallel on these individual data items and um, produce the, the intermediate results completely independently. And the re reduced tasks also run in paper, uh, parallel and there each reducer can work on its different output key. So in the map phase, we output key value pairs and for each key that is output in the map phase, we can spawn an individual reducer. And in order to, uh, to make this work, uh, or in general, all of these values are processed independently. And so we can take advantage of the distribution on a large scale cluster. However, there's a problem or let's say a, a, a downside, which means there's a bottleneck um, at the reduce phase or a synchronization before the reduce phase. So essentially no reducer can start until the complete map phase has finished. Because we don't know um, before we have finally sorted everything where we have all the data. So the reducer could actually already process uh, one key and be done with the key and the mappers would still produce new keys. 
And so the, because of that, the mappers have to completely finish, only then the reducers can start. And for a single key, there's no parallelization. And so again, if you think about word distribution, so this is highly um, skewed. So say a word like the uh, will or is will happen more, or be much more frequent in text. So all of these actually have to be processed by a single reducer. So all these in, in your text corpora. And this means there will be an imbalance in the load. So um, basically, uh, we have a so-called straggler problem. So the mappers, um, on the one hand, might be slow, or some workers might be slow, and then the whole process will be slow. And so in order to, to mitigate this, what the MapReduce framework does is it starts redundant workers and you only uses the results of the fastest one. And this is especially done if we're close to the end of the computation. If we see, okay, most of the workers are not doing anything anymore, then we can spawn uh, additional workers for those processes that are still, um, yeah, still not finished. And maybe there's just one thing, right? one worker might just be imbalanced, so spawning another uh, might mitigate this problem. So let's look at this, uh, at the parallelism on a schematic point of view. So we can see that we have multiple map tasks and we have multiple reduced tasks. And at the end of the mapping phase, we have this partitioning function which groups the data um, in on each node and then the reduced task will retrieve this information. And we can see that we have this all-to-all -all communication here. And this is also where we have the synchronization barrier. And in order to, well, because of this, because the synchronization actually slows everything down and because we have to write the intermediate results to disk after the mapping, um, we can actually make use of some additional um, optimizations. And one simple but very effective optimizations are so-called combiners. And so the idea is that rather than doing all of the reduction on the, in the reduce phase, meaning um, we, we collect all of the information and we're doing very simple computation on the map side, um, we cannot already, or in many cases, we can already do some reduction on the map phase. So, and basically um, say, for example, if you want to compute the sum or account, then we can already count uh, everything we see on the map phase um, and store an aggregate or an intermediate aggregate rather than, than letting everything uh, be unaggregated and doing all the, the aggregation in the, on the reduction side. And another um, optimization is that we can actually do a partitioning uh, on a, a specific partitioning in order for the data to be parallel for the reduction. So in general, um, if, if you think about the reduction, uh, if we know nothing about the data and how the data is reduced and we don't know anything about the keys, then uh, we have to do everything in a single reducer. Um, however, we can also try to be smart about the reducers and maybe somehow if we know more about the data, build a reducer uh, or a partitioning function that, that partitions the data equally um, to the reducers so that the, redu the, the load is not too imbalanced across the different reducers. 
And finally, uh, we have this locality. And so here the idea is that the, the primary assigns maps, uh, map tasks close to or as local to the data as possible. So maybe if the data is stored on a, on a certain node, that we actually put the map task right there. And then the map task is not network bound at all. In the reduced task, there will always be this shuffling. So there we always have the network communication. But on the map task, we can actually keep all of the data locally and then um, or process the data locally if the map tasks is on the same node. So let me explain the combiners in more detail. And so usually uh, we saw this in this example, right? So where we um, process, we want to count the words in this in this uh, song text, right? So we have all of these na na nas, and each of them will be an individual uh, data item in the output of the map task. And you can see that this is very inefficient because we're producing so much output data and we already see here that this we could actually already aggregate locally because we're just doing the count and um, for popular words uh, like na in our example or the um, rather than outputting this so many times <clears throat> we can already com combine this right away and on the locally on the map task because we can do, we can decompose the aggregation here. And this is an important feature, right? So we need to be able to somehow decompose uh, or free process um, the aggregation on the map side in order to make use of the combiners. And uh, yeah, so for any associative uh, operations like sum, count, max, um, this can save bandwidth a lot um, by doing a, the pre-aggregation at the mapper. We also call this, as I said, decomposable aggregations. And it also decreases the size of the intermediate data, so we don't have to write that much data on disk. And this will, again, make everything much faster. And so, yeah, an, uh, an example uh, would be counting of words in the, uh, on the map side. So this will just look like the reduce function because it's just the same uh, way, or we, we can produce the same output um, already on the, on the reduced side. And um, in the end, basically pre-process the data much more efficiently, have much smaller intermediate results, and then also uh, reduce the, 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 uh, the amount of work that needs to be done on the, on the reduced side. At final, well, furthermore, we have the partitioning function, as I already said. So typically, the, the inputs uh, to the maps are in, created by contiguous files, splits of input files. And um, for the reduce side, we then uh, need to, to move the data in a way such that uh, for each reducer, um, we have all of the, the values with the same key at the same reducer. And typically, um, the way this is done, it, the one reducer will not just produce or work on a single key, but it will work on a group of keys. And in order to somehow move the reduce or move the data to the right reducer or assign the data to the right reducer, we have a partitioning function. And uh, the default partitioning function would just be hashing the key and using the modulo. And the modulo then will basically by the number of reducers. And this means um, that if the hash value, uh, or yeah, typically this produces a, um, a balanced um, partitioning. 
and because it, it distributes the intermediate keys to the reduced workers in a more or less random fashion if the hash function works well. But sometimes it's useful uh, to overwrite because uh, sometimes we know that uh, we can give a, a better distribution um, or we know that we want to do something else with the data then. And then it makes sense to manually overwrite this distribution. And for this, we can actually define a, a special uh, partitioning function. And so this is if we need to somehow combine uh, certain key value pairs in the same uh, uh, at the same work reduced worker. However, of course, uh, this the the key values or the keys, the same keys need to in the end up end up in the end end up uh, at the same uh, reducer. Otherwise, the map reduce function won't work anymore. So for the locality, um, yeah, the, the master or the primary divides up the task based on the location of the data. And it tries to run the, the map tasks on the same machine where the physical input data resides. And this is typically on the, in the distributed file system. So the Google file system or uh, the Hadoop distributed file system. If that's not possible, it tries to put it in the same rack because there we still have a higher throughput or a better bandwidth than if we're putting it on a, on a totally different rack. And if it's not even about the bandwidth, it will be about the latency uh, of the data access. And um, then the map tasks uh, are typically divided into 64 megabyte blocks. This is because of the um, because of the block size in the file system. So, and that again depends on the configuration. So some file systems might also use 128 megabyte blocks. And um, because of this, this um, chunking of the data, we can, um, and because of the locality, we can read the data much faster, right? So if the, the data is already distributed in the distributed file system in these small blocks, and the blocks are distributed across many nodes um, and we're spawning the mappers exactly where we have the data already, then we get this super um, fast parallel reading of the data and parallel processing, which doesn't need any, um, any kind of data distribution or data um, network transfer here. And so we have some, some further optimizations. And one of the optimizations already hinted at is to replicate tasks. So as soon as mapper tasks start to finish, or also the reducer tasks starts to finish, and all of a sudden some of the tasks are, or the, some of the workers are idling, then we can start spawning redundant tasks for those tasks that are much slower. Right. So, and this is because sometimes uh, the stragglers are really because of imbalance, right? So, some some mappers might um, be co-located and just use the same resources and be slower because of that. Maybe one mapper is located on a node that's just particularly slow because something else is going on, and doing this like spawning the redundant um, workers or the redundant tasks on other workers will reduce the latency from the slow workers dramatically. Because in the end, um, if you have many nodes, like again, you might run such a, a workload on a thousand nodes, then some of them just 
because some there's some issue in the network there's some issue on the machine right so you have some some errors on the hard drive so some of the nodes will be super slow and this will slow down the whole process because as we know we have to synchronize um after the the map phase so this the, all of the workers need to wait for the slowest worker and if the slowest worker is just slow by chance not because the task that it has to do is so hard then it makes total sense to uh, spawn additional workers with the same task and just see which one is the fastest and use that one. And also, um, sometimes you might have bad uh, records in the input. So meaning, um, well, a certain block uh, fails, right? So a certain block has some information in there, has some encoding issues, something like that, or it's hard, to, there's some problem. and Typically, um, I mean, it would be good to debug this and see what's a, a problem, right? But if you create a web index, then, uh, well, some of the websites will just be broken, right? And then you're rather than stopping everything, debugging, seeing where there's the problem, where's the encoding problem, um, it's much more efficient to just say, okay, let's leave these couple of web pages out and see if we can maybe process them the next time. And so then if there's a segmentation fault or some problem, then the primary will be notified so that uh, later on uh, we can try to reprocess this kind of uh, data block. But in general, we're just um, skip, uh, we're just skipping the record if we see two failures. And uh, so then um, this happens if we have some problem or if we have some problem in the data, then this might be good. Or if we have some problem actually in some kind of libraries, right? So our map and reduce task might actually have some, um, some external libraries that we're working with, say for text processing or something like that. And if there's an issue in there, um, then it's not about the framework at all. And so rather than stopping everything, starting the job from scratch, we're just skipping a couple of blocks here. And um, of course, another optimization that we can do is do compression of the intermediate data. And so this uh, is especially effective if there is a lot of compression potential. I mean, one thing is doing the com combination. Um, at the same time, we might still need this sort of redundant information on the reducer task. But if there's a lot of redundant information, then uh, the reduction by just using a simple compression, the data size reduction will be significant. And this means then later on also, not only we, the storing the data will be faster, but also the network transfer will be much faster. So getting the data to other reducers will be much faster. And this is always a trade-off, right? If you're doing too much compression, um, then the system will have to do more work and it might get slower. At the same time, you're, you're having more compression means that you have to do less data transfer and this might make things again faster. So another aspect is already with the bad records basically is this fault tolerance. And uh, so we don't want this to stop, right? If we want to, if we have to process the, the whole web, and we want to uh, create a web index, and then all of a sudden a machine dies or something, we don't want to start over again. So in order to ensure that everything runs smoothly, uh, there's heartbeat messages. And so essentially the primary always checks 
which nodes are there. Um, are some nodes breaking? Then it will spawn new nodes or will redistribute the work. And so if we have worker failure or a slow worker, then this means the task will be re-executed. And for each uh, intermediate result, um, the, the output is materialized on disk. So in general, uh, this is very expensive. Um, but at the same time, it's very uh, easy to recover things. So if something breaks, um, if a mapper breaks, if a machine breaks, we just do the same task again. If we have the intermediate result already, we can continue with the intermediate result. We don't need um, to somehow deal with intermediate state in memory that might be there, might not be there um, of, uh, of some kind of task. So either we have the input data still, or we have the output data and uh, whatever happens with the, with the process, um, well, if it's broken, we'll just restart it. And um, inputs are always stored in a fault tolerant way in the file system. So typically this means replication. And this also means if a node dies that we started uh, some work on, then we still have another node where we have the data replicated and we just have to start a worker there in order to process the same kind of input data. And that will replace this worker completely. And, um, and that's actually it. For the, for the architecture and the optimizations. And in the next video, I'll briefly explain to you um, some yeah, first, let's say one first MapReduce algorithm and how to generally design MapReduce algorithm. And then later we'll talk about, uh, yeah, later in the lecture, we'll talk about all the different nice algorithms that you can do with MapReduce. Not all of them, but more. <laughs>